day four of the Democratic National Convention. For those of us who were in Cleveland, Howard, this would be day eight. Yeah, gosh. Which is maybe eight too many, but it's, it's certainly a few too many. So it is Howard Schweitzer, Blake Rutherford, and Mark Alderman impersonating Blake Rutherford <laughs> as moderator. So I'm going to ask a question of you, Blake, uh, which you are usually doing of us. Uh, last night, you were there. I was there. Howard was there. That was of the seven nights of convention so far in the last two weeks. That, I think, was a highlight. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, Mark. I mean, I look, I mean, the expectations for Barack Obama, as we've seen going all the way back to 2004, are always high, and yet he always seems to meet them. Um, I think last night was an exceptional moment for, for Hillary Clinton. I think as much of Barack Obama's ability to make the case for her candidacy, which I thought he did incredibly well. But then I think the symbolism, her walking out after the speech. Um, the hall was moved and enthused by the speech, but when she came out, they were together. The embrace, that moment of just coming together um, they both seemed happy to be there. He seemed happy to be there, and she seemed very happy for what happened in the 45 minutes right. before she walked on the stage, as I, I think she should She be. was obviously <laughs> happy to be yeah, there yeah. as the nominee and an historic nominee. I think she's also happy to see her boss there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's good to see the president. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I think certainly, uh, no doubt a highlight, it, it for Hillary Clinton, needed to be a highlight, though. Yeah. They really did. So, right. Howard, I, I, you were there a week ago Wednesday. Yeah. You were there last night. I mean, no comparison. I mean, it's, it's not even answer. a discussion. It's a short answer. It's not even a discussion. <laughs> like, you cannot, there was not a single moment, and I was there for the entirety of, of Trump's speech, through Trump's speech, not a single moment where the electricity in Cleveland came even remotely close to what it did um, last night. What Several happened? times last night. Many, many, thought. many times. Yeah, many times. Um, on the other hand, as Mark, you like to say, um, Hillary Clinton wasn't speaking last night, and she's running for president. And it was a great night. I think, Blake, you said it was a great night for Hillary Clinton. I think it was a great night for the Democratic Party. Yeah. I think it remains to be seen. I think tonight is Hillary's night, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and she's <laughs> very high bar. Um, yeah. And and she's going to, she, you know, she's going to be, she's got to be herself because that's the only way to do this. She's. She's not going to be Bill Clinton. And she's not going to be Barack Obama. And Mark, I mean, she doesn't really have to be, right? I mean, I think no. the, she the, she's got to uh, find her voice, find her rhythm. As you know, Chris Matthews, who was with us uh, on Tuesday, right. said, "Look, you know, the practice makes perfect here, um, and uh, delivery matters, and and the way in which." She communicates her message. She's not a naturally gifted public speaker. Howard, you said that many times. She is going to give 
a professional speech, a competent speech, a qualified speech. She is not as a speaker, her husband or the vice president or the president or the first lady. So if she delivers the fifth best speech of the convention, that'll be pretty good work for her. But that's on the technique and that is on the art of, of the speech. I think that the opportunity that she has, and as Howard does correctly say, of course, she has to now seize this opportunity. The opportunity that she has is to present the country with a choice not only between herself and Donald Trump. Everybody always knew that was the choice once they each got to the nomination. But between two different visions of this country. What we heard last night culminating in just a soaring speech from the president was a vision of an America that is inclusive, a vision of an America that is just, but most especially a vision of an America that is optimistic. And if she can strike that Reagan-esque note as the president did last night, I think she'll succeed. I think what, there were a number of things. There are a number of parts of the president's speech that I'd heard before. I heard it in his initial campaign appearance with Hillary. So I think he, they're on message. Yep. Um, they're they're disciplined. That's not uh, that's not a criticism. That's a compliment. They're pros. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and that's what's going to win her this election is yeah. is that that discipline. But what was very uh, interesting, again, now we're talking about the president, not the secretary, mm -hmm. but I again say she needs to build on that foundation that he and the other speakers laid. The, the president stood up there and said to Republicans, establishment Republicans, one of whom is sitting in this room, I didn't hear much about the Republican Party in Cleveland. That certainly wasn't a conservative convention. He stood up there and praised Bernie Sanders. He gave the Bernie shout out that Bill did and that Hillary will, but coming from him, nobody was going to boo him. So coming from him, it, it, it worked. I think that it's that word again, inclusive. I think if her speech is inclusive, if her speech includes disaffected Republicans, if her speech includes the disappointed Sanders supporters, if it includes not only the mothers of black men killed by police, but the mothers of police killed by lunatic murderers in recent weeks and months. An inclusive speech about an optimistic America is what she needs tonight. As, as a uh, United States Senator who I rode the uh, elevator with and chatted with last night <laughs> said to me, um, Tim was in a tough spot. <laughs> Nobody's talking about Tim Kaine today. Well, Sandwiched in between yeah, Joe right. Biden and, and Barack Obama. Right, yeah. um, and Michael Bloomberg. And Michael, and Michael Bloomberg, Bloomberg who, was, yeah. who was Michael Bloomberg. Um, uh, a guy I wish would run for president, but he didn't. Um, well, we have because to he couldn't win. Dust um, off our op-ed 
Right. By the way, Michael Bloomberg <laughs> for chief operating yeah. officer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was a good idea then. It's still a good idea. Um, Kane was in a tough spot. He did fine. Uh, it was pretty funny. I thought when he mocked Trump when he imitated yeah. Trump. Um, but I mean, I, I think it was just it was incredible being in that hall last night. Yeah, I think uh, I know Tim Kaine. I like Tim Kaine. I trust Tim Kaine. I admire Tim Kaine. I might have picked someone else for different reasons, but it is a a pick that is solid and and sound. But not only was he in a tough spot, it's unclear to me what his role is. Bill Clinton's role is to be Nancy Reagan. And Barack Obama's role is to be the, the validator-in-chief here and to explain what he did and how he did it with her and how Trump couldn't do it. I'm, I'm not at Bloomberg's role is to say, I, I know a little bit about business. You've got to be kidding me if you're talking about Trump as a businessman. I'm not sure what Tim's supposed to do. Appear to be qualified, yeah, and, 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 and that he is. I mean, take some yeah. shots. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's he's not a natural attack dog. It doesn't seem natural to him. Not unnatural in the way that it was for Joe Lieberman, who was just wholly ineffective in that regard. But it sure seems to me that the that the narrative that's being pushed about about Kane is he's competent and he's trustworthy. Um, Republican, right, factual. right. I mean, I'm right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's and Republicans have said that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, there's. By there's, the way, though, I couldn't possibly disagree more with most of what he thinks. So is uh, Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So right. that's why I, I say, I guess they just they take each other out. And and this is all great. It's been an electric week here in Philadelphia <laughs> again, Mark. I mean, I'm not going to defend. Cleveland, huge, huge contrast. Um, but to bring you guys back to reality, this is still what I'm calling the hold your nose election. This is still two candidates who are widely disliked and distrusted. At the end of the day, they've got to win the hold your nose vote. Nobody's really excited about the general population is not excited about either one of these people. They don't like them. And um, whoever wins the hold your nose vote is going to win this election. Let's That's not one way. Let's of not characterizing. Let's not make the mistake of thinking that a week in Philadelphia. Um, I said this the other solves day. Hillary Clinton's likability issue, or even comes close. Trump went into Cleveland a little bit behind. He came out of Cleveland a little bit ahead. Hillary came into Philadelphia a little bit behind. She's going to come out of Philadelphia a little bit ahead. It's a margin of error election. Hold your nose is one way of articulating it's a margin of error election. And it is going to be for 100 days a seesaw. I don't think either of them is going to open a lead that never closes. I do think that if either does, it'll be her, but I don't think she will. I think in some ways, though, Howard, what, because uh, certainly we, you know, conventions exist in a you know, moment in time, and then, you know, things happen. Hillary Clinton and Tim Kennedy are on a bus. They're going to travel through Pennsylvania and Ohio, and 
48 hours of you know after we gavel out tonight we'll be talking about something else right I mean it'll be it'll be on to something else but I think the interesting thing about Philadelphia is and what I think this convention from an orchestration perspective has shown is that it allowed the Democrats to get organized they got their speakers organized we have mm-hmm. a sense of who, mm-hmm. who the vital point. surrogates are going to be they got them lined up they sort of positioned yep. them on their issues right yep. um, and I think got we'll, Bernie yeah got mostly, mostly where he there needs to be. yeah you know Bernie mostly there most um, of his people mostly there. yeah most of his people mostly there but you kind of you, you kind of have a sense of okay I know now what the what the Democrats are going to put on right. the field you know at, you know in and, the and fall I'll tell you and so I think in some ways while Again, after the the bump or, or, or whatever takes place, it'll it'll recalibrate. We'll be on to something else, and, and we will have forgotten about all the fun we've had in Philadelphia. But I, I think the Democrats have set the stage for themselves in a way that the Republicans yeah. just didn't do. And, and part of the setting of the stage and the defining of the roles, I asked because I'm not sure what King's role really is, I think a sleeper achievement last night, at least I haven't heard people talking about it, was Joe Biden and Joe Biden talking to angry white men. Hillary Clinton can't talk to angry white men like that. Barack Obama certainly can't. Michael Bloomberg. Nobody can talk to angry white men. Nobody can stand up there and say malarkey and have everybody... (laughs) Agree, understand it, agree, and feel good that the guy said it. He is a sleeper weapon here, and I think you're going to see him in the Scrantons of the country talking to the people that Donald Trump has thus far claimed as his own. He is polling, Trump is, at unprecedented numbers among white men numbers never seen before if anybody can peel that back a little it's it's joe biden meanwhile there's a lot of scary stuff happening in the world in the country um and it's been nice to you know knock on wood we're almost through philadelphia cleveland was incredibly secure i think both very different conventions kind of logistically uh, mark would you agree with that but yeah but um yeah. you know great job by both cities uh, but but there's a lot of bad stuff that's been happening in the world the Pope yesterday came out and said um, the world is at war talking about all the terrorism that's been going on um, and gosh I mean so so yeah, Cleveland was doom and gloom, and I, as you, as I've said before on this podcast, I'm not on the Trump train by any means, but um, it's a little gloomy out there right now too, and and so yeah. it remains to be seen whether his whether he's the one that's capturing the mood in terms of what's really going on. Well, there's certainly a mood, right? I mean, there's there's, there's no there's no Trump without that mood. I mean, it, it, whether it's you know a forty two percent mood or a fifty one percent mood, I think is what we'll know in the months ahead. Yeah. But, well, but I think at the same time, it's it, it's palatable. I mean, you have 
so much going on in the country and fear is is real even if that fear is not an economic insecurity fear mm-hmm. if it is a a public safety fear whether he, that's personal he, yeah. or national you know and we've all all year said well he he's never going to recover from that thing he just said and right. every single time we were wrong and we should know better than to say what i'm about to say again but but what he said about Russia was extraordinary in, in so many respects, one of which, just as a political matter, forget for a moment the national security dimension, the very base to which he is so successfully appealing has spent decades fearing Russia. And it... It remains to be seen whether anything this man says can actually penetrate his base and turn anybody around. When when this doesn't do it either, I think that that will pretty much seal the question. But it it is extraordinary to be telling those men and women, more men than women, far more white than, than men and women of color, who among the other things they are aggrieved about is their belief that the country has slipped in the world and Russia is one of the reasons for that. It's just extraordinary to be telling those people that Russia is going to take care of Hillary for them. I, I think you're, no offense, completely missing something here. He's trying to control the news cycle. It, why is oh, this any different than anything else he did at any point in the primaries? It, Yesterday was the Democrats' day, <clears throat> and he was trying to get the media to talk about Trump. That's agreed. all he was. That's that's what he was doing. No, yeah, I but agree. I, but what if I may just? I agree with that. What I am saying is, in getting the media to talk about him instead of the other guy. Is there anything he could say that his base would resent, or does it just not matter? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it matters, Mark. I, I mean, I, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I, I think. think he, right. I mean, I think when, when rhetorically or not to capture the news cycle or not, when you invite a a foreign country to engage in the kind of act that Trump encouraged uh, Russia to engage in, and 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 that doesn't do it. Nothing's going to do it. I mean, it's just it, it, yeah. if the if the if the roles were reversed, if I, if I Hillary Clinton had suggested that, if Bernie Sanders suggested that, for the fact of the matter, Marco Rubio suggested that, it would have been ballgame. Um, yep. But it's just not for Trump. It's just and and I can't. I certainly can't explain why, but I just well, know that to be right. And by the way, if you <laughs> held a popularity contest between Hillary Clinton and Vladimir Putin among those people, I'm not sure she would win. May not, may not. <laughs> but can I tell you something that I thought was more significant in the in the context of this thing? Yeah. Pence didn't agree with him. Right, right. That's why I gave Pence a shout out a minute ago. Mike Pence, I do yeah. not agree with much of what the man yeah. thinks or or believes, but he is at least genuinely conservative. And he doesn't agree with Donald Trump on a lot of things, including yesterday. Paul Ryan, a profile in cowardice, on the other hand, 
wouldn't even disagree with Trump. He said Putin's a thug. That's <laughs> not news. But the abdication of the Republican establishment, Howard, other than you, who has sat here and said you're not with them, is kind of startling. But I do want to say this. Here's something I agree with Donald Trump on, okay? He could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and not lose a single vote from his base. He said that months ago because he gets this. He understands it. At manipulating his people, the man is is an evil genius. And who, who, who are we talking about right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I well, think. I brought him up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, For I, a I reason. Think, right. Well, it's yeah, an equal time. I mean, Isn't this an FCC right. thing? Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't yeah. want Blake to lose his license. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, Howard, but I think, I think to, to the. To the point about to the point about talking about Trump. I mean, it, one of the great questions of this election. We've talked a little bit about it in our at various points of our lunch series. Mark, you and you and Chris Matthews certainly touched in on this. How uh, how much of what Trump is doing is just reinforcing a feeling among people who are already there, um, and how much of what he is doing is appealing to that margin of error. Class that's gonna that's gonna make up perhaps the the difference in this election, and I think what we what I, I can't seem to sort out. I know it's early, and we've got to get through these conventions and sort of let this thing let this thing settle and get to the one on one. Something Mac talked about mm-hmm. in our lunch today, but but what I can't I can't sort of put my finger on yet is is when that when that settling takes place where really is the after electorate the, after the first first debate, debate I, that's what after i was going to say first debate, first debate this thing is going to get really hard to reverse mm-hmm. if, if anything happens yeah. there if the first debate's a push then it'll be the second debate the second debate's a push it'll be a third debate if that's a push it'll be november 8th but those debates are where I think we will see, if we are to see it at all, the separation. And boy, you'd sure think, you'd sure think she could do all right there, <coughs> but but you'd think a lot of things that haven't been true this cycle. I mean, their their debates are. I mean, look, you guys have been on, you've been there. I mean, you've seen these things come together. I mean, it's first of all, it's ready made for. First of all, it's live TV. <coughs> It's it, there. There, there are moments, and if you know how to pick your moment, then you can you can define the debate in in ten words or yeah. less. Um, and you know, Trump, who is really short on substance, is not short on style. And and the paradox of debates is you would every time rather debate a prepared opponent than an unprepared opponent, right? Because you can prepare for a prepared opponent. By definition, yeah. you can't otherwise. Well, and it's always it's the it's the sports analogy, right? I mean, you play you tend to play down to your competition, right? You always want to you want to you want to play someone better than you because the likelihood that right. you may get you may get whipped, but the alternative the the statistically mm-hmm. the probability is you will play up. You may not win, right. but you will play up. But if you're the heavy favorite. You tend to play down. You tend to underperform. It's what we saw in 2004, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. George W. Bush yeah. did 
a phenomenal job of basically selling himself as as an incompetent. Right. And then he shows up at the debates, <laughs> and he's not that, and he wins. Right, right. <laughs> she is. Uh, she's going to do some of that, I think. But he. I mean, he isn't. He is. He's not going to prepare. He's uh-huh. not. He's going to be the unpredictable guy. And and on the. Um, you know, he's not targeting voters. He's not micro-targeting. He's not sophisticated, and he's not running a sophisticated enough operation to try to message to the Twitter. I mean, it's a- yeah, <laughs> and and so he's gonna continue to do what he's done, and he's either gonna win or lose based on being Trump. Well, one more day, yeah, and then to be continued, right. So I'm going to return to my moderator role and thank Howard and thank Blake. Thank you, Mark. Thank our support team. Thank all of you for listening. And this will resume soon. Soon. Right? Yep.